Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. For free resources and free messages, visit our website, friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or call us for more information at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And, 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 you know, we've done business for decades. We've done business in Osaka. And I remember the times that I was coming back. So I invited them to my house, not to a restaurant. I went into my house. I made lunch for them. As we're sitting at the table, I thought to myself, this might be the last time I see him again. And if this is the last time I see him again, I, I was thinking, what do I want to say? You know, I thought of when I've been in depositions for lawsuits, unfortunately, more times than I like. Um, the depositions for lawsuits, and you know, you get really versed at this deposition stuff. And, and so, you know, because right next to you there is the court reporter, and she, you know, with her, she's with her head down, and she's recording every single word you say. And you don't have the ability to say, "Would you move over here? I want to erase some of those things on that." You know, so if you don't mind. No, you can't. And so, when I'm asked a question, and she's typing away, I'm picturing my words on her screen. And so in deposition, as I speak, I'm picturing my words on paper. And, and, and it's kind of like a dictation function, uh, you know, on the new iOS, you know, the iPhone, it's, it's really nice. But, you know, because you look at the screen, and as you're talking, it's, the, the words are appearing. And so I was thinking about my words being typed out. And I asked myself the question, if this was the last words that I have to say to my two lost Japanese business friends, what do I want the record to say? You know, and I brought the gospel to them as if I was on deposition in the clearest way that I could think of, choosing the clearest words, visualizing each word as I said it on a screen on paper. So in verses 2 to 3, Isaac's a good challenge for us. When he says, Behold, now I am old, and I know not the day of my death. Now, therefore, the challenge that's for us is, Behold, now we are old. We don't know the day of our death. And there remaineth yet very much souls to be brought from eternal death to eternal life. Now, therefore. This is, this is the impact that we're getting here. Now, he says, Okay, what is it that he had to do? We may not agree. We don't agree with it. you know. But nevertheless, what is it he says? He's preparing to bless Esau. And he gives Esau specific instructions in verses 3 through 4 for what he needs Esau to do so that he can be in the frame of mind to bless Esau. See, Isaac wanted Esau, you go take your weapons, go out there, hunt me down a deer, and add all the spices that you do, and and make this tasty meat that's called in verse 4, make me savory meat such as I love. Because we've seen this, this is why he loves Esau in the first place. In Genesis 25, 28, it says Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. Says Rebecca loved Jacob, and she didn't have to eat anything that Jacob made, so she just loved him. <laughs> anyway, Isaac wanted for his senses to be overwhelmed with this seasoned meat. Boy, I wish I could have some of that. I wonder what that was. But anyway, for all I know, there was some narcotic in it. But, but he wanted to be overwhelmed with the seasoned meat, because he says, that that's, that's when I'll be in the frame of mind that my soul will bless you. So we focus now on that phrase that he says to Esau that my soul may bless you. He didn't, say, you know, he didn't say that I may bless you, but he said that my soul may bless thee. See, when Isaac says that my soul may bless me, that's packed with meaning. Because in order for Isaac to really bless Esau, it had to be with his soul. 
See, what Isaac said in verse 4, that my soul may bless thee, it means that if the words of Isaac's blessings were going to have any effect, it must be the expression of his soul. Then the blessing will have happened. When Isaac said in verse 4, that my soul may bless thee, it means that if Isaac only said words and his heart wasn't fully engaged in those words, then the blessing was not, it doesn't mean anything. See, when Isaac said in verse 4 that my soul may bless thee, it means that in order for the blessing to have happened, it has to be with Isaac's soul. When Isaac says in verse 4 that my soul may bless thee, it means that in order for prayer to be effective, it's got to be with the soul. If our soul is not engaged when we pray, our prayers go nowhere. If we simply read off to God what's on a prayer list, well, he can read. He doesn't need a, does to dictate to him what it's got to be. Our prayers have got to be the steam blowing off the boiler that our souls are heating up. Then our prayers are effective. Prayer is the work of the soul. It's not the work of the mouth. It's the work of the soul. If prayer is simply reading or reciting words without the soul engaging them, for you, you might as well, don't waste your time. If we simply sing hymns and our soul's not engaged, don't waste time. Praise is not effective. Isaac said that my soul may bless thee, which for us means prayer and praise are the work of the soul. And unless the soul is engaged in prayer and praise, they're, it's, they're empty. It's empty. It's ineffective. See, King David expressed this, that prayer and praise are the work of the soul, when he looked inside of himself and he said, stoke up the burner. And he said in Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Now, we read in verse 5, Rebekah heard, it says, that's what it says in verse 5, and Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau's son. Now, when it says in verse 5, Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau's son, we've got to ask the question, what did Rebekah hear? What did she hear? You know what she heard? She heard that my soul may bless thee. That's what she heard. And what happened when she heard Isaac say that my soul may bless thee in verse 4? See, when Rebekah heard that Isaac say to Esau, that my soul what may bless thee, Rebekah says, whoa, that's news to me. Isaac hadn't told Rebekah. He was no fool. He hadn't told Rebekah, uh, <laughs> my, my soul's going to go bless Esau instead of Jacob. See, that's all. Rebekah's like, whoa, it's news to me. I had no idea my husband was going behind my back to get his soul to bless Esau instead of Jacob. We can imagine how this infuriated her, that her husband was cheating, going to deceive her, going behind her back, calling Esau in secretly to, to bless his favorite son Esau instead of her favorite son Jacob. We can imagine Rebecca's anger as she realized that Isaac's plotting to deceive me by blessing Esau with his soul instead of Jacob. So, oh, Miss Rebecca, she said, well, I'll tell you what. If he's going to deceive me, two can play this game. I'm justified to deceive him. She thought, after all, what goes around should come around, she's thinking. She thought, after all, if he sows deception, why shouldn't he reap deception? See, when Rebecca heard Isaac say in verse 4, that my soul may bless thee, she knew that that meant, unless Isaac's soul blesses, there would be no blessing. She knew she could go marching right in there and force that blind Isaac who depended on her for everything, and she could force him to not bless Esau and to bless Jacob instead. But she knew 
from Isaac's words in verse 4, that my soul may bless thee, that if Rebekah marched right in there and forced blind Isaac, who depended on her, to not bless Esau, but to bless Jacob, because when she heard that my soul may bless thee, she had a problem. She had a massive problem. How was Rebekah going to manipulate Isaac to bless Jacob with his soul? You know, how was Rebekah going to manipulate Isaac to bless the person that Isaac refused to call my son? How, how was Rebekah going to manipulate Isaac to not bless the person that Isaac called my son? And here's where the genius of Miss Rebekah comes into play. I mean, Miss Rebekah, she knows that if she barges in there and orders Isaac, now you, let me tell you something, blind husband of mine, <laughs> who's dependent on everything from me, and I want you to say those same words to Jacob. And, and you know, he, Isaac would do it with his fingers crossed. <laughs> he would, and she knew that won't be with his soul. And if it's not with his soul, it's not effective. She needs Isaac's soul to bless Jacob. And she knows there's only one person on earth that Isaac's soul will bless. That's Esau. And if she wants Jacob to be blessed with Isaac's soul, then she's got to make Isaac think that he is blessing Esau, when in reality he's blessing Jacob. This is pretty smart. Don't undersell her. <laughs> she's smart. So with that plan, we cannot help but admire the genius of Miss Rebecca. She's one smart cookie. She's smart. Now, so Rebecca, in verse 5 and 6, she is shocked and she's angry at both Isaac and Rebecca for both plotting to, to deceive her quickly and for Isaac to quickly bless Esau with his soul. So she waits in verse 5 and 6, and, she, and here's the sequence so clearly mapped out for her. Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. And Rebekah spake to Jacob, her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying... See, between verses 5 and 6, Rebekah is at a crossroads for what to do. Rebekah's intention is good. It is good. It was good for Rebekah, and she should have tried to stop at that blessing of Esau and get the blessing on Jacob. But she's at a crossroads on the how. The what is good. The how is is the issue. See, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is really a question. And the question of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you can just put this right above Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, what's it going to be? When faced with a problem, Proverbs 3, 5, 6 is the crossroads with the question of where are you going to go? At the end of Pro at verse 5, Rebecca was at that Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 crossroad. Rebecca was faced with the proverb. She was faced with the, are you going to trust in the Lord with all your heart, thine heart and lean not unto thine understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him? He shall direct thy paths and be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. She, she's faced with the problem of Isaac plotting to bless Esau with his soul. And the question is, will I trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not to my own understanding? Will I acknowledge God and let him direct my paths? Will I not be wise in my own eyes? Will I fear the Lord? Will I depart from the evil of this deception? For Rebecca, there's no question what she should do. The answer to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is for Rebecca is, of course I'm going to lean to my own understanding. Of course I'm going to trust in my own genius with all my heart. Of course God has nothing to do with this. Of course my husband is trying to trick me and I'll trick him. Of course I'm very wise in my own eyes and I'm not about to depart from the evil of deception. There's no question. She had good intentions. 
She didn't follow Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Had Rebecca followed Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, she would have immediately been on her knees before God. She would have pleaded with God with all her soul and all that was within her. Had Rebecca followed Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, she would have been in deep humility. She would have pleaded with Isaac, Isaac, don't defy God by blessing Esau instead of Jacob. She could have gone into Isaac and in humility reminded Isaac of how Esau sold his birthright. He married all those Canaanite women. Then maybe, just maybe, maybe that would have been the worst hunting day that Esau ever had in his life. <laughs> maybe there wouldn't have been a deer for him to shoot. And maybe, maybe, maybe he would have recognized, maybe Jacob, Isaac would have recognized, you know, God's blocking me from this blessing. See, Rebecca could have seen that God was over Isaac and God was over Esau as deceivers. And she could have seen the deceivers are God's properties. And Rebecca could have seen that God was over Rebecca and God was over Jacob as the deceived and that the deceived were God's property. This is, this is what Job said in, in Job 20, 12, 16. With him are strength and wisdom. The deceived and the deceiver are his. So Rebecca could have trusted in the strength and wisdom of God and seen that both the deceived and the deceiver are his. But instead, she sinks in pride to the level of manipulation. She exalts herself in arrogance to think that she's smarter than Isaac and she can resort to cheating him. She decides to also become a deceiver and take advantage of the fact that Isaac has lost his fifth sense of sight, and so she goes on to deceive the remaining four senses by deceiving Isaac's sense of taste, the thinking that goat meat is the same as deer meat. I don't know how she did that. (laughs) By deceiving Isaac's sense of feel, to thinking that goat hair is Esau's hair. By deceiving Isaac's sense of smell, into thinking that Jacob's smell was Esau's smell by deceiving Isaac's sense of hearing, to thinking that Jacob, what Jacob said because of what he said was really Esau. And although it grieved God at his heart, God left Rebekah. Okay, carry on. Go ahead. That's what you want to do? I'll leave you to yourself. And he let her proceed, and it became for Rebekah an incredible, incredible loss. She failed the Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 test. She leaned to understanding. She did not trust in the Lord with all her heart. She was wise in her own eyes. She did not depart from evil, and she lost. First, she lost the trust and relationship with her husband Isaac that she had to live with for the rest of her life. Second, Rebecca lost the trust and relationship with her son Esau, who she saw for the rest of her life. Third, she lost the presence of her favorite son, that she tried to preserve Jacob as she was forced to send him away, and she probably never saw him again for the rest of her life. Fourth, she lost for Jacob the peace and safety between Jacob and his brother Esau as because of what she did, Esau was now vowing to murder Jacob. Fifth, she lost any hope that Esau would want to repent and come to God as she caused Esau to say, if my mother's actions are how God works, I want nothing to do with God. Sixth, she lost the opportunity to grow strong in the Lord and see God do great and mighty things that she didn't know about, like not being able to find deer. Seventh, she lost her fellowship with God. 
She brought on herself this defilement to her own soul from her sin. It's a lot of loss for Miss poor Rebecca. All because she rose in pride. She failed the Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 test. And seeing all that she lost, it makes us want to think twice when we're faced with a challenge and that we're at that crossroads of that Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. The only good news for Rebecca is that she didn't lose God. And God was still in the business of Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. He's still, God is still like the weaver sitting down there working hard. His weaver's beam is moving fast to Hashav. He's weaving. He's weaving all these terrible actions of Isaac and Rebekah and Esau and Jacob into good. And we can see God saying, oh man, they're making me work so hard. <laughs> it's just like you know, Isaac and Rebekah, these are so quickly, they're doing these things and leaning to their own understanding, not trusting God. They're making God very busy. He's getting tired to all this kashaving to make all their acts turn into good. And as Rebecca, even though she lost so much, God was still in the business of Psalm 130, verse 4. But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. See, God's storefront of forgiveness was still open for Rebecca. She could walk right in there to God's forgiveness store, tell God that she'd come in for forgiveness, and God would still tell Rebecca, well, step right over here to the belief counter. <laughs> And I'll chashav some some righteousness into your soul. My righteousness into your soul. See, it's sad. It's terrible. Uh, What Rebecca did, all the damage it cost, it's it's, it's more happier, more wonderful when we see God forgiving and healing. Healing all the sins. The hurt came. The scars remained. But he healed. Now, in verses 8 through 10, we see how forceful Rebecca is with Jacob. She says, now therefore obey my voice and go now and do this. See, we don't know what Isaac was doing that day. We'll kind of think about Isaac a little bit. Poor Isaac. I mean, he's probably relaxing. He's probably cooking something in the kitchen. Probably cooking soup in the kitchen. And, and all of a sudden, his, his mother, Rebecca, comes in in a fury, in a flurry, in, in verse 7, and, and she's got this, she got this frantic, behold statement. You know, poor guy. Behold, verse 7, behold, I heard thy father. And then after she explains to, to, to Jacob what she heard Rebecca, she launches next into her, now therefore, commands. And in verse 8, we see Rebecca, she's bringing Jacob into submission by first suppressing any hesitation that Jacob may have in deceiving his father. She calls Jacob, my son. Whoa, she puts him down. And Rebecca says to Jacob, my son, it was as if Jacob, as if Rebecca with the choke chain is saying to Rebecca, I call you my son. Your father never called you my son. You listen to me. You don't hesitate to deceive your father. And, and then see, Rebecca, she's, pu- she's pulling out the next stop as she corrals her hesitating son with these orders, you obey my voice. She doesn't say you obey my orders. She pulled out the I'm your mother card when she told Jacob, you obey my voice. And Jacob was the, now hear this, this is your mother speaking. <laughs> That's what it was. Now, just in case there was still any, well, wait a minute, let me think a little bit. Is this right to trick my father? She barks, off these com- she barks off these words, I command thee, put to silence any consideration Jacob might have had for being asked by Rebekah to deceive his father. The words I command thee at the end of verse 8 are Rebekah saying, you have no choice. Yours is to obey. Okay. And in verse 8 through 9, the fact that Rebekah twice uses this word, now, 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 she means now, immediately. What's interesting about what Rebecca told Jacob in verse 8 to 10, is that nowhere does Rebecca say to Jacob, and you tell your father that you're Esau. She never says that. 
She never says, you go and impersonate. She never says, you go trick your father. She never says that. She never says to Jacob, but Jacob knows that. He knows what she's talking about. And so Rebecca never says, and you'll deceive your father by making him think you're Esau. No, she doesn't say those words. You know why? Because that would be laying the sin out in full-blown sunlight. And it's a little shocking. So she just simply just doesn't say it. But he knows what the plan is. He doesn't have to have it be explicit. So we see in verse 12 that Jacob thinks a little bit. He says, there's a huge problem here. He says, you know, and he says, you know, my, my brother, Harry, I'm smooth, you know. You feel me, deceiver, curse. And, and he raises this objective, objection to, to Rebecca. Now, when he did that, he just encountered the Mack truck. <laughs> and all he saw was the big shiny bumper staring at him and hear the roar of the Mack truck as it prepared to plow any obstacles in his way. So he raises this objection to Rebecca. He forgot. No one stands in Rebecca's way. No one resists Rebecca's will. Rebecca gets what she wants. Those are the last words that we hear from Jacob until verse 18, when he dressed like Esau, smelling like Esau, carrying the savory meat like Esau, says in deception to Jacob, my father. And what's interesting about Jacob's objection to Rebecca is that in verse 12, Jacob says nothing about how morally wrong it is for him to lie to his father. In verse 12, Jacob says nothing about the sin against God to deceive his father. In verse 12, Jacob says nothing about what Joseph said, his future son. When he was under pressure to commit adultery with Potiphar's wife, when Joseph says in Genesis 39.9, there's none greater in this house than I, neither have he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Joseph did not say, this is too risky, ma'am. He didn't say, what if we get caught in bed together? He, he didn't say, how can I sin against your husband? Joseph said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And what's interesting in Jacob's objection is that it is not so much at all like his future son Joseph's objection. Jacob does not object like his future son Joseph, Jacob does not object to his mother by saying, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as for Jacob, his only attitude is, is what's God got to do with this? The only problem is my father. The only problem here is my facial hair, my arm hair. You know, Esau's got hair, I don't. That's the only problem. I mean, there, I mean there's no problem with God's curse. The only problem is with my father's curse. Solve that problem, I'm in, I'm good. Jacob is only concerned about the consequences of his sin and his consequences with man. He's taking the position, if I get away with it, I'm not caught, no problem. <laughs> There's no such thing as sin against God here. It's just a question of whether I can get away with this. And to this objection, Rebekah replies in verse 13, his mother said unto him, upon me be thy curse, my son, only obey my voice, go fetch. You know, it's further interesting how lightly she speaks about the curse from sin. A flip of the hand, she dismisses all this talk about curse with, ah, upon me be thy curse, you with your curse. Get on with what I'm telling you to do. See, it, her words, upon me be thy curse, makes us shudder. She so lightly dismisses what's being done here. We shudder when we read Rebecca, upon me be thy curse, just as we shuddered when we read what the Jewish people said when they were like Rebecca being resisted by Jacob and when they were being resisted by Pilate, who did not want to crucify the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And Pilate, in Matthew 27, 24 through 25, Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, that rather a tumult was made. He took water, washed his hand before the multitude, saying, I'm innocent of the blood of this just person. See you to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. See, like Rebecca, who told her resistor, Jacob, upon me be thy curse, they told their resistor, Pilate, His blood be on us and on our children. Both Rebekah and the Jewish people refused to consider the greatness of the sin, and they were pushing for, and they minimized the consequences with their upon me statements. May we never do that. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this passage and all that you have in here to teach us, Lord. Help us to be wise and take them to heart, Lord, and to make the good choices as Joseph did and not do these things that we see so clearly here in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. If you would like to hear more of this message or other messages by Tom Cantor, visit our website, friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or go to itunes.com and search for the Friendship with God podcast. All messages are cataloged by date and all available for free listening and free download. You can also call us directly for more information at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening to Friendship with God with Tom Cantor. Join the Creation Earth History Museum for our 10th Annual Museum Day Family Festival, Saturday, September 26th. Hi, this is Jason Payne, museum curator. I want to personally invite you and your families to a free, fun-filled event including new exhibits, testimonies from leading scientific experts, meet NASA astronaut Colonel Jeffrey Williams, and many others. Activities for the entire family. So join us Saturday, September 26th from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Go online to learn more at creationsd.org or call 619-599-1104. 619-599-1104.